This podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Community Credit Union. Why join CCCU? Well, first, they're not afraid to say they're Christian, not just in their name, but in the way they do business and treat their members. Second, they focus on people over profit, God-honoring service over meeting sales goals. And third, they share your kingdom values and understand ministry. Lastly, they're serious about helping you thrive financially. Join CCCU and open your account today. Go to joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. Membership eligibility required. Each account is privately insured up to $250,000. By member's choice, this institution is not federally insured. Insurance is like a parachute. If it's not there the first time, you probably won't need it again. I am Rob West. Kidding aside, if you have a family, life insurance is essential, and term insurance is the best kind. But what's the best way to buy it? I'll talk about that today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, it seems like we get a question about life insurance almost every day. Do I need it, or should I get term or whole life? Well, let's clear those up first. If you have a family that depends on your income, you need life insurance. If you're a stay-at-home spouse caring for children, you too need life insurance, primarily because child care is expensive. Now, we almost always tell folks to choose term over whole life policies because term is pure insurance. It doesn't muddy up things with a savings component, and it's far cheaper. So you want term insurance, but there are several ways you can go about getting it. And we should mention that whichever way you buy it, you always want to choose a company that has an A++ rating, and you can check out insurers at ambest.com. So how to buy term insurance? Well, first, you can get it directly from an insurance company. This is for folks who like to deal with an older, established insurer, and most of the big-name insurance companies would fit into this category. Many of these companies have been around for more than a century and have great stability. When you buy through them, you'll probably have to deal with an agent on the phone who will take you through the process. Another way would be to use a comparison site. This is good if you want to price shop in a hurry. I won't name any of these websites, but you probably hear ads for them all the time. These actually aren't insurance companies themselves. Instead, they gather price quotes from several different insurers as a convenience for you. Then, when you choose a policy, you actually buy it from the company that offers it. This way, you can save a lot of time because you only have to enter your information one time instead of having to do it for each company as you shop around for quotes. But keep in mind that these comparison sites often deal with only a select group of insurers that pay them a commission. So it's possible to miss the very best quote if the site you're using doesn't have an agreement with that company. You can also buy a policy through a new company that's associated with one of the bigger legacy insurance companies. These upstart insurers have the stability of the older companies that back them financially, but they exist largely in the digital realm. 
They're for folks who don't want the hassle of talking to an agent and would rather apply for a policy online. So if you find a great quote online from a fairly new company that you may not have heard of before, check to see if it's backed by one of the traditional insurers. If it is, you get that measure of reliability while still working completely online. Now, there's one more way to buy term life insurance, and this is really about the type of insurance you're getting. You have a choice between what's called simplified term and instant issue. As the name implies, instant issue is for folks who want life insurance without having to get a medical exam. You can usually apply online and get an answer right away. Several smaller companies specialize in instant-issue policies, but several of the larger legacy insurers also offer them. They're great for people with pre-existing conditions who want access to life insurance. But they do come with a few catches. The death benefit with an instant-issue policy tends to be smaller. Also, the term is likely to be shorter. And finally, it probably will cost more than a regular term policy that includes a medical exam. Now, you might be wondering just how much life insurance you need. Well, a good rule of thumb is 12 to 15 times your annual salary. For a non-working spouse taking care of children at home, the rule of thumb is 5 to 10 times your annual expenses. And one final thought, another question we sometimes get is whether life insurance, or any insurance for that matter, is biblical. Or does it mean that you're not trusting God to provide? To be sure, God will provide because he promises to, and he is always faithful. But we are called to be stewards, and taking care of your family is certainly good stewardship. First Timothy 5.8 reads, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Unless you're independently wealthy and don't need to work, you need life insurance to provide for your family should something happen to you. Well, I hope that puts your questions to rest. All right, your calls are next. The number to call is 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and you're listening to Money Wise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Stick around. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money, Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find daily questions to reflect on and practical exercises paired with scripture for spiritual and financial growth. Right now, you can request your copy of the Money Seeking God's Wisdom 31-Day Devotional with a gift of any amount at moneywise.org. How should we as Christians think about investing? What if we could invest our money in a way that aligns with what we believe? At Eventide, we believe it is possible to love God and love our neighbor in the very practice of investing. We design investments for performance and a better world so you can invest for the future with a sense of wholeness and purpose. We call this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at investeventide.com. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West, your host, taking your calls and questions. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. 
Hey, have you connected with a certified kingdom advisor there in your city? There's more than 1,300 that have met the rigorous standards to be called CKA. Uh, That is, they've met uh, competency uh, requirements, experience requirements, character, integrity, pastor reference, client references. Uh, They've signed a statement of faith, a code of ethics, and completed a 90-hour training program plus a proctored exam. All of that to help them position themselves to provide advice that aligns with the values and priorities of Christians. If you'd like to find a CKA in your city, you can check out our website, moneywise.org. Just click the button that says find a CKA. I'd interview two or three. Find the one that's the best fit for you. All right, back to the phones we go. 800-525-7000 to Texas. Ruth, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Rob, for taking my call. Uh, My daughter and her husband, uh, she's 45. They've been married many years and uh, with three kids, but they just have struggled their whole married life with making ends meet. Her husband worked very, very hard. um, And my husband and I, we have helped them for years. Um, And during COVID, we kind of, we started paying their credit card. Well, I've paid her credit card for a long time, helping yeah. them. And um, and I think I've just set this expectation up that I'm just going to continue paying her credit card. So sure. my husband and I have kind of, we've decided that, you know, she needs to start paying her own credit card and and, and start living more within her means. So yes. we don't know how we, we've tried, we don't know how to tell her. I mean, do we just tell her like cold turkey, we're, we're not going to pay anymore? Should we gradually wean her off of it? Or we're, we're kind of at a loss on how to do that. We don't, you know, I feel like I set the expectation up yeah. to pay it. And I feel like I'm pulling the rug out from under her if I just say, well, we're not paying your credit card anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that, Ruth. I mean, I think the the idea here is that you all want to work together to create not only a continued healthy relationship between the two of you, but you want to move her toward being able to take more financial responsibility, she and her husband, for their financial well-being. And that I don't think involves pulling the rug out from under somebody, especially since this has been going on for a long time. But I think it's perfectly appropriate and necessary for you to say, I'm enabling. And I have given them no incentive to kind of get on their own two feet financially, even though, you know, things are tight. But, uh, you know, and whether it's reducing spending or finding additional income opportunities or any of that, we just take that need off the table when they have an understanding or an expectation that you and your husband are going to step in month to month and really not ask any questions and just stroke the check. I, I don't think that's helpful for anybody. So I think this starts with you and your husband really sitting down. It sounds like you've done some of this, but but praying and asking the Lord to give you wisdom and discernment, number one. And then number two, deciding uh, kind of what you feel like is a realistic timetable and what you're wanting them to do. And it sounds like what you probably need to do is come to a place where you say, we're going to end our financial support on this date. And maybe it's six months and you get clear between the two of you on what that is. And then you schedule a time for the four of you to sit down and you say, listen, we love you. And we're here for you and we're your biggest fans and, you know, whatever those decisions are. But we want to let you know that we feel like we're doing you a disservice by, you know, just automatically coming here in here and repaying. So we want to put you on the right track, give you time to get there and then help you along the way. Um, a couple of things that could be done as a part of that is, number one, you can have them sit down with a third party uh, where you're providing some of the solution. One of our Money Wise coaches could be there 
hire as an independent and objective third party to help them establish a spending plan. Number two, if you guys want to help, I think there are productive ways to help where you'd say, listen, we want to help you get out of debt to balance your budget. And so, you know, we'll match money that you put toward, you know, eradicating a certain amount of debt that's on the books that when it's gone, that's going to eliminate a monthly payment, uh, something like that. But I think there needs to be a point at which you guys have exited the situation and they're standing on their own two feet, which by the way, as hard as it will be to to kind of hear that and absorb it, it will be better for them, including their marriage, because now they have the confidence to know we're doing this on our own. Mom and dad aren't here writing checks. We've got this. And then it gives you all an opportunity to be a blessing along the way as you want to help in various ways that's productive and not pushing them into a, you know, a situation where uh, they're being enabled, they're not making hard choices, and then they're just developing bad habits that are just going to replicate itself over over and over again. Uh, give me your thoughts on that, Ruth. Yeah, um, my, you know, my husband feels like he kind of just wants to say, tell her, you know, we're done paying your credit card and, you know, you're on your own next month. And, and I'm trying to talk to him, you know, we're trying to talk this through between him and I and just saying, and I'm kind of like, let's, you know, you know, gradually wean her off this, you know, and, you know, maybe give her like a set amount a month for the next six months. But he's just like, no, she's just going to take advantage of it. And we just we need to just, you know, rip yeah. the Band-Aid off. Yeah. And, and I think so, there's some truth to that, Ruth. But here's, I guess, what I would say. What's the ultimate objective? Well, I think it's twofold. Number one, it's to get them to stand on their own two feet financially. Number two, it's to preserve the relationship. And that's paramount, right? That's much bigger than any kind of financial assistance for you all to have a healthy relationship moving forward. Now, if you do it in a way that's loving and you give them an off-ramp and maybe it's not six months, maybe it's three months, but I think it's probably more than 30 days. Uh, and they resent that, you know, don't like that, and, and that causes a, well, that's ultimately on them, and they're going to have to work through that. Let's pray that's not the case, but I think somewhere in the middle between what you're thinking and what he's thinking is probably the right move that says we want to put them and our relationship above all of it, but we also realize what we have been doing to this point cannot continue because it's not in their best interest. We love them too much to continue to enable them to make poor choices choices and just have free reign on spending, which is just not the way the world works. Uh, we have to live on a plan within our means, and that's not always easy, but we've got to do it. And so I think you and your husband need to come to some decision together in unity on how you're going to approach this, and then you need to sit down, have that loving but hard conversation, lay out the plan to kind of wean them off uh, over, over whatever time period you agree on, and then you've got to stick to it. You cannot deviate from that plan. Right. And yeah. uh yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Okay, that helps. All right. Hey, listen, keep us posted and uh God bless you. Let me uh send you a book um that's called uh, Your Money Counts. It's by our good friend Howard Dayton and uh, perhaps you can pass this uh along to them as a way just to say, "Hey, I just want to give you some encouragement, something to read up on. I don't have I'm not perfect at this. None of us are, but maybe this will give you some ideas to think about." I think the key is you want to present yourself as we're for you. We're in this with you. We've wanted to help uh, be for good reason, but we don't think it's a sustainable long-term, and that's why we're making the choices we are. Uh, God bless you, Ruth. We'll be praying for you as you have these conversations. Uh, let's head to Cleveland. John, thanks for your call. Go ahead, sir. 
Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, my question has to do with benefits. I work for a business where they don't offer any. I'm the only full-time yeah. employee, and then we have part-timers. So I'm trying to figure out if there's a way to quantify what the benefits typically would be worth. Um, is there an easy way to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that because you're right. I mean, uh, normally a full-time employee would have benefits that would include you know, a list of things. It could be health, dental, vision, and disability insurance, paid time off, company matching on retirement plans. And that's just the beginning. And what is that worth? And could you, in a way that's, uh, you know, proactive and positive, present that as an opportunity for that to at least be considered that you're not receiving that? I'm going to take a quick break, but we'll talk about that on the other side. So stay with us, John. We'll be right back. Sometimes you just need a little guidance to help point you in the right direction. In 300 feet, turn right. If you're feeling lost when it comes to your finances, we're here to help. You can connect with a trained MoneyWise coach absolutely free. A MoneyWise coach can help you build a personal budget, develop a plan to knock out your debt, and more. Visit MoneyWise.org slash connect. That's MoneyWise.org slash connect. Christian Healthcare Ministries enables believers to meet their health care costs affordably, biblically, and compassionately. It's not insurance, but a voluntary cost-sharing ministry based on the biblical example of Christians sharing each other's needs. And members aren't fined under the law for not having health insurance. Christian Healthcare Ministries might be your health cost solution. Call 800-791-6225 or visit chministries.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. Uh, just before the break, we were talking to John in Cleveland. You know, he's wondering, is there a way to quantify the financial benefits that a company offers? Uh, he is, uh, I believe, and we'll confirm this, the only employee, full-time employee. Everybody else is either a part-time or a contractor, and he's not receiving any benefits and just wondering, what is that generally equal to? Do I have that right, John? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, on average, I mean, if you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they'll tell you, uh, you know, benefits accounted for about 32 percent of employer costs uh, of compensation for U.S. workers. So, I mean, essentially, you could say, I mean, you could really make a case for 30 percent of what you're being paid that you're giving up. Now, as a full-time employee, they're paying their portion of, you know, the FICA taxes and things like that. But what you're not receiving is, you know, the the cost of a health insurance plan, which is easily 10%, often more than that. Uh, usually they'd provide a generally a 3% match, let's say on a retirement plan, you know, could easily see another 3% for a, a dental vision and disability policy. And that's, you know, not counting paid time off and uh, things like that. So I think somewhere between, I would say 20 and 30%, you could easily make a case for that the typical employee would be receiving uh, in his or her benefit package that you're not, that you could at least ask for consideration on. So I hope that conversation goes well, John. We appreciate you checking in with us today. Uh, to Tampa we go. Paula, thank you for calling. How can I help? Uh, yes, sir. I've got one question about I-bonds. Yes. If you uh, go ahead and invest that $10,000 
and let's say you're leaving it in there from a year to five years, and then you die or pass on, what happens with that money? Yes. What do you so do? You, you know, once you're, you know. Sure. So you uh, simply uh, can register uh, ownership in your name, followed by the words payable on death to, and then name your beneficiary. Um, so you have the ability on the I-bond uh, to actually have what's called a POD or a payable on death. Uh, or a beneficiary uh, for up to, I believe it's two names. So you'll want, uh, is the, in the process of setting up that account to do that, or in the event that you already have it, uh, you perhaps could uh, change, uh, you know, the the account at Treasury Direct and move the bond over. But there is absolutely a way to make sure that the beneficiary is named. And if it's done through a payable on death or a beneficiary, it would pass directly on your death outside of probate. Okay, that's all I needed to know, and thank you very much. Okay, Paula, we appreciate your call. Uh, God bless you. Uh, let's see, Antioch, Tennessee, Glenda, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Hi. I have a Hi. question. I have a, I have uh, two remaining uh, grandchildren. I, ha- I raised five, but two of the grandchildren, uh, the last two are still living with me. I retired last year, and I was trying to figure out since the 21-year-old is working and the 17-year-old has a part-time job, but he's a senior in high school, I think it's only fair uh, that when they start working and they become of age that they contribute to the household expenses. But I don't know how to determine exactly what would be make sure. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I like this plan, Glenda. Uh, otherwise, if if they're not expected to contribute, uh, especially once they reach that age where, you know, these are adults now, uh, there's really no incentive for them to go out on their own. So I think a couple of things. Number one is sitting down and coming up with a plan uh, to say, listen, what is your plan eventually to be out on your own uh, if you know, moving forward, I think you need to establish an expectation around how long, you know, they're able to stay. And, you know, if you determine, you know, you want that to be only for a period of time and then they really need to get out on their own, let's make sure that's clear to them that you're clearly communicating what that expectation is so they can be planning accordingly. And then, uh, you know, with regard to uh, the cost that you would ask them to incur, uh, I would look at it, you know, typically, and you can discount it from this, if you want to, because they're family. But I think the starting point would just be to say, you know, what would you typically rent a room out for, room and board, uh, if they weren't a family member? So you'd look at the square footage of the house. You'd look at the kind of how that room uh, fits into that and determine what's an appropriate amount. You could even look at kind of the market rates for, you know, what somebody in your area of town might uh, charge to rent out a room. This pretty, you know, fairly easy to determine based on the size of the home and and what uh, would be reasonable and customary. And then you'd add some amount for board. I mean, obviously you're covering not only, you know, providing the room, but the, the utilities and you could apply that same percentage to the utilities and then even to the grocery bill. I mean, so I think it just depends on, um, you know, how far you want to take it. But I think as long as you have a rationale behind it, and it probably the easiest way is to come up 
with a percentage. So, you know, if that one room, let's say, is 15% of the home, well, then we could say, what is 15% of, you know, what uh, a mortgage payment might be or a rent payment on this size house? What's 15% of the grocery bill and what's 15% of the utilities? And that might be a starting place to say, this is what I would charge somebody else from my church or if it was just out on the open market for a room and board in the, in the home. And then, um, you know, you can apply that to the kids and, or well, they're adults now, they're not kids, uh, but you can apply that to your uh, grandchildren. And I think, you know, once they understand that, hey, there's no more free lunch, we're going to need to step up here and do our part. It's their decision, if you're willing for them to stay and pay it or make a plan to move out on their own. But I think that's a good thing, Glenda, because you're moving them toward being uh, functioning <laughs> adults, which is really the ultimate objective here. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you. All right. All right, Glenda. God bless you. We appreciate uh, your call today very much. Well, folks, uh, we are about out of time, but so thankful that uh, you were along with us today. It's been a great week. We've covered so much ground as we talk about a host of issues. And, you know, really at the end of the day, I mean, what we're trying to do is step back and say, okay, if God has uh, owns it all, and he does, and he's entrusted us with so much, and he has, how can we be faithful uh, in handling what he's given to us? And it's really about asking the question, Lord, what would you have me to do? Uh, you know, we're always, uh, I think, uh, when we take our cues from the world, getting caught up in the comparison trap, trying to keep up with the Joneses, that's not the objective. We want to go back to God's word and say, I have an abundance starting with the fact that he's given his son to me and paid the penalty for my sin so I could be reconciled to the Father. Therein is enough. And beyond that, we just are grateful for what God has entrusted to us. Let's be found faithful in managing that really wisely. Thank you to my team today, Gabby T., Amy Rios, Jim Henry, and Dan Anderson. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Money Wise is provided by Money Wise Media and listeners like you.